This is the Citizen of Heaven podcast number 213, Childbirth. I'm Hal Hammonds, Citizen of Heaven, your embedded correspondent in Satan's world. Thanks for listening, sharing, and subscribing. My favorite podcasting couple, BJ and Kylie Sipe, are back this week. Links to their respective programs can be found in the show notes. In the first segment of our conversation, we will discuss how God uses terrifying, painful events to get us where he wants us to be, how to make reasonable plans and adjust them on the fly, and how entitled people in our society push back against the process to their own detriment. Travail is a synonym for work, especially painful extended work. In the Bible, it's often used specifically for childbirth. Perhaps going into labor is a more common figure of speech today. An extended period of suffering can seem unbearable, but it is forgotten in the bliss of the birth of a child. Describe some ways God works good things in us through extended hardship and how we can find peace while waiting for the end of the journey. I think it begins with understanding that God gives and God takes away and blessed be the name of the Lord. You know, we're not entitled for God to give us anything. Paul would say in Acts 17, when he's talking to the Athenians, it's by God that we even live and breathe and have our our very being. You know, everything belongs to God. And my mind was really going to Romans chapter 9. The clay does not get to talk to the potter about what it is and about what it's formed into being. And when we have an attitude, I deserve this, you know, I deserve good health, or I deserve a child, or I deserve any of these things, and we pray about those things, and then if it doesn't happen, it's really pride and its entitlement that can lead to discontentment and not having peace regardless of the outcome. And so I think the foundational place to start with this conversation before we move to anything else is recognizing and understanding that God does not owe us anything. Everything that he gives to us is grace. Everything that he gives to us is a gift. I think also about the parable in Matthew 20 about the master who hires the laborers into his vineyard. And he hires the workers at the beginning of the day, and then he, of course, hires the laborers at the end of the day, and he pays them the same wage. And one group was upset about this, but he didn't hire them because he needed them. He hired them because he saw their need, and he gave them both what they needed, and yet one group walked away recognizing the gift they had been given, the graciousness of the master, while the others were upset because they felt like others got what they had deserved, what they had earned. And it was this entitlement attitude about grace. And so, I don't know, that's where my mind was going. I thought that that was a good place to start. When we lost our first child, you know, we had been married a few years. We had a great home. We we're pretty okay financially. You know, we had planned for this child and we wanted this child. And then we lost that child. It was very hard. I was taken aback kind of in my faith. And um, I questioned God a lot, like, why me? Why would 
you allow this blessing to be taken from me? What have I done? What have others done to deserve this blessing that I haven't? I really struggled with a lot of anger, especially towards people who I would look at in my mind and and my earthly knowledge and wisdom and think, well, you don't deserve a child. Look at you. You've done X, Y, Z. You don't have your ducks in a row. You know, your life is a mess. Why you and not me? And I struggled with that for a really long time. And then I, um, I don't remember who, maybe I was talking with BJ because we were very much in that together. And he was, um, my sounding board through a lot of that grief. And I just remember reading that God causes the rain to fall on the good and the evil. All blessings that we have in this life are not necessarily for our own benefit, but for God's glory. And in my earthly wisdom, I might look at someone else's blessings and think, you don't deserve that. But I need to stay in my own lane and recognize that their walk is not the same as my walk and therefore their blessings are not going to be the same as my blessings. And they're going to be different. We're going to come by those blessings differently. And um, I just, I think it's really easy to put ourselves up as uh, the judge and make those calls where we we really just need to realize that all blessings, like BJ said, come from God and will be taken away at his say. Kylie has hyperemesis or hyperemesis. I don't know how I'm supposed to say it. Um, I get sick a lot. (laughs) She's really sick. Not just morning sickness. She's sick the whole pregnancy, right? And there were periods of that nine months that were really challenging, right? Very, very, very difficult for everybody. For Kylie, especially, you know, she was sick all the time. She wanted to be there for, you know, like with this last pregnancy, she wanted to be there more and be more present for Ava and Dane. And so she had guilt associated with her pregnancy. And that's just all of these things. And yet when Finley got here, we forgot about all of that. Like it made it worthwhile. But also through that process, I think it humbled us and taught us to be dependent on someone else other than yourself. And it reminds me of what James writes in James 1 when he talks about counting it all joy when you experience trials of various kinds because the testing of your faith will produce steadfastness and that steadfastness will have its full effect, that we could be perfect and complete lacking in nothing. Who are you going to lean on? Who are you going to trust? Are you going to lean on yourself and trust in yourself? Are you going to develop a complete dependency upon God? And broadening out and looking at the way that God deals with hardship and bringing about good, I think the greatest good that God brings about or can bring about if we submit to him is learning to recognize that God is enough and fulfilling 
our soul, not with the outcome we're hoping for, but with a dependency upon him for all things. I remember when we were going through our period of loss and infertility before Ava was born, I was broken down by the loss of our first child that came with a lot of um, health problems after that. And just, it was a rough recovery. And then I think what, maybe two or three months after that, we unexpectedly were expecting again. And then we ended up losing that baby as well. And I felt like it was a bad dream relived over. I mean, it was the hardest time of my life up to that point. And here I was going through it again. I just remember feeling completely broken, broken down. And I just remember asking God, like, what what do you want me to learn from this? What am I supposed to get out of this? Because I thought I got it the first time and here I am again. Why? Why am I here? And throughout that whole process and parenthood in general, I've had to learn I don't have control. I never had it. It was an illusion. And I think when I came to realize, okay, God, I surrender all. I don't have this. You have this. It's out of my control. And if you want me to be a mother, I hope I will handle that gracefully. And that's what I want. But if that's not what you have in store for me, that's okay. You know, if that's not my path, if that's not what you have laid out for me, I'm going to be okay because I have you. And when I was finally able to get there, and it took a lot, (laughs) a lot of counseling, a lot of time, when I was able to get there and say, I don't know if this blessing is going to come to fruition. I hope it does. But even if it doesn't, God is still good. The peace that came with that, with that relinquishing and that peace was truly, I think, the peace that passes understanding. I think it kind of gave a purpose to my pain, to our pain, and that this is a very hard season. This is a very difficult challenge. We are grieving. But regardless, God's beauty is going to shine through no matter what that outcome looks like. He's kind of taught us that over and over and over again in different ways. And, you know, maybe that's a lesson I've needed over and over and over. Maybe it's my own fault that (laughs) I've had really tough pregnancies. Who knows? But like BJ was saying, I uh, have had awful pregnancies and well, not awful. They're a blessing, especially given what we went through. They've always been a blessing. They have been incredibly Challenging. challenging, very challenging, emotionally, physically, all the ways have been challenging. And then this last one with Finley, I ended up developing multiple health issues and liver issues on top of just being sick. So we kind of had to reevaluate once again what we saw for our family because we've always wanted a large 
family. You know, I could see myself with four or five kids easily. And we just kind of had to reevaluate and let go of what we thought we wanted and understand that maybe these challenges are trying to prune and teach us once again that we don't have control over anything really, but especially this aspect of our lives that we need to let go. And we need to trust that God has our best interest at heart. And again, whatever the end picture is, it is more beautiful than what we could have dreamed up for ourselves. So I I think once again, we've had to kind of come full circle, you know, from the time that we started thinking about children until now that we are through with our own biological children, it's been a very quick, what, six years? Six years. I mean, that's not long. That's a, that's a blink. In that time, God has taught us over and over and over again that, no, not my plan, not Kylie's plan, not BJ's plan, my plan. And it's been hard and it's been challenging. But when you get to the other side of it, it's exactly the way it should have been. I like your use of the the idea of letting go and letting go of of control. Because I was just thinking along parallel lines, a lot of people have trouble letting go of the pain. A lot of people will get to the end. And as you say, sometimes you don't get to the end. Sometimes we were just reading in Psalm 40 this last week here in Georgetown you know, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he, he answered my prayer. It wasn't that wonderful. And here I am again, Lord, by the way. I'm going through this again, and the assumption is, of course, you're going to be here for me again, and I'm still here waiting. And maybe we wait and wait and wait, and we find out that the plan was to teach us how to wait, which was not the lesson that we were hoping to learn here today, but whatever. You know, We get to the end of it, though, and, and maybe we do see resolution. Maybe we do see an answer. But some people can't move past the travail. They wind up defining their life by that instead of seeing God's victory in all of this and rejoicing in this new blessing. They can't get over the path that it took to get there. Absolutely. A lot of times what happens is people, they get so used to the difficulty, they get so used to the trauma, they get so used to the pain that that's how they kind of wrap themselves up in their identity. They don't see them moving past that. It's it's part of who they are. But even when God brings someone out of the travail, out of a of a difficulty, out of a difficult season, you still find people that don't have peace. And it's because we turn and look to the gift rather than to the gift giver. That's what I see more often than not is, is a wrong expectation. It falls short. And so we end up falling back into that same cycle. Calling back to the theme of childbirth. I wasn't one of those moms who had a birth plan and, I needed it to go a certain way. You know, I needed A, B, and C to feel absolutely comfortable. I didn't know what to expect. And I think we had gone through so much to even get to that point that I was like, you know what? 
nothing has gone according to plan anyway. So I don't care. I'm out. I'm out of the planning aspect as long as I make it out alive and my child makes it out alive and BJ <laughs> makes it out alive, <laughs> then all is good. If there's trauma that comes along with it, we'll get through it. We'll deal with it. But I'm not going to pin my entirety of this experience on things going my way. Because what does that even look like? On the other end of the spectrum, I've had acquaintances. I don't think I've had any of my close friends like this, but um, I've witnessed many moms say, you know, I want all natural. I want to have the perfect birthing atmosphere. You know, I want this euphoric kind of labor and something to really look back and remember and commemorate. And uh, that wasn't me. But, you know, if that's you, more power to you, that's great. But then when things inevitably didn't go the way that they had wanted and hoped and planned, it was like their whole world fell apart. I knew of people who said, well, you know, I have this trauma because I had to be induced, you know? (laughs) And I'm like, okay, but is your child healthy? Yes. Are you healthy? Yes. Then was it a trauma or did it just not go the way that you wanted it to? And I'm not, I'm not here to say, you know, childbirth isn't hard. Believe me. I know it's hard, but I just really think we can get so hung up on the trial, really kind of romanticizing it and wanting it to go our way. And if it doesn't, then even if the purpose was accomplished, it's still not good enough. And I think that's so sad. Mm-hmm. I really do. And I mean, that gets back to the entitlement thing. And I know the acquaintances she's talking about. And I saw a comment to the effect of normalize grieving failed birthing plans or something like that. Like, no, this is not a period for grief. You're holding your child who has been born into this world, regardless of how it got there. Like you don't need to be balancing grief and joy. Like this is just a moment of joy to recognize the wonderful gift God has given to you, but it's not good enough for that person because the way it came to them is not the way they wanted it to go. And that's just, you know, I will be the person that says that's absolutely moronic. It's, 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 it is so entitled and it throws the gifts God gives us back in his face because it is directed at God. We think it's directed at something else or somebody else, but really it comes back to God because God is the one who is the the giver of every good and perfect gift. Well, that's we the need problem. To remember it wasn't that. perfect, right? You promised us a perfect gift and you did give us a perfect gift. Mm-hmm. There are absolutely disappointing circumstances. I get that. I've seen that. I've witnessed that. It's okay to be disappointed. It's not okay to sit there. You've got to find a way to look at the bigger picture. Even though it didn't go your way, my way, our way, it went the way God 
wanted it to ultimately. And back to the the labor and delivery aspect, a lot of people want to do things a certain way so they can wear a badge of honor. Like the whole natural childbirth, like, you know, I've done natural childbirth. Am I proud of that? I, I guess so. You know, I'm thankful that my body did what it could do and that God built me for this, but it's not about me. We just did what we had to do to get through the trial of it, to get to the blessing. Right. One of my very favorite Old Testament characters is Jacob. And Jacob had some disappointing moments, no question about that. But I think the moment that hits me the hardest with Jacob is when he's found Joseph again, and he has seen his family saved, and he goes and meets the most powerful person in the world who gives him honor, gives him respect and dignity and such. And he asks him, you know, how old are you, Jacob, essentially? And he says, the years of my sojourning are 130. Few and unpleasant have been the years of my life, nor have they attained the years that my father has lived during the days of their sojourning. What a depressing way of looking at your life at this crowning moment. And there's no question that Jacob suffered. A fair amount of Jacob's suffering was brought on by his own choices, by the way. That's probably worth mentioning, at least in passing. But yeah, things went pretty rough for him for the previous 20 years or so. But it's worked out for you. You know, you're in a wonderful place right now. Is there a way that you can be happy? Is there a way that you can find some joy here? I don't know. Some people seem allergic to joy. (laughs) (laughs) I think we, as Americans, are very prone to this pitfall. We are so set up to expect our way and expect it to go perfectly. And when we don't attain that for one reason or another, then none of it's good and none of it was worth it. And it's really easy to stay bitter because again, I think we're conditioned to think that it's all about us And, you know, we've had instances in our own lives where things did not pan out like we thought they would, like we wanted, like we hoped. And it's taken a lot of work on our own hearts to get past that should have, could have, would have kind of deal and that attitude and realize that's okay. You know, yes, we had to go through something hard, but look what God has blessed us with and look what we learned in the process. If you open yourself up to that, because a lot of times we put these blinders on and we don't allow ourselves to really learn the things that God is seeking for us to learn. And then it prolongs that process and we kick against the goads and we drag our feet and then maybe we'll have to go through something else just to learn what we could have learned Two years ago, we see a lot of that in our culture, especially dealing with trauma. I know that trauma is real and it exists, but I think we throw that term around so much. I think it is overused. Something that is completely, absolutely awful to my four-year-old is not going to even phase me as an adult. And we have awful scales 
all around us. Something that's awful to me is not going to bother BJ like it does me. I don't want to be that person, but we've, we're kind of a soft generation. I mean, really, mm. because everything's awful and we allow ourselves to dwell on that and we miss out on the good and the lessons and we call it trauma. Is it trauma or is it just kind of a really poor measuring stick that we're using? (laughs) You've heard this, that hard times create strong people, strong people create good times, good times create weak people, weak people create hard times. We're seeing a weak generation, some weak people, those that, that struggle with finding peace and joy throughout the journey. Because we have grown soft. soft. (laughs) We've been involved in enough weddings uh, that I always tell whoever, you know, if it's a close friend or whatever and something goes wrong, I'm like, you know what? It's okay. It's okay. At the end of the day, you're married. And do we want things to go right? Of course we do. But, you know. We can't pin our identity on things going right because they're they're not going to go right. They're not going to go according to our plan. Thank you for listening to the Citizen of Heaven podcast. Please rate, review, and share so others can access this content. I encourage you also to join the Heaven Citizens Facebook group. There you will find links to related materials, conversation starters, poll questions, and the occasional special announcement. Also, check out the Hal Hammonds channel on YouTube for even more content. Until next time, be strong and courageous, fight the good fight of faith, and do all things in the name of the Lord Jesus. This is Hal Hammonds, Citizen of Heaven, signing off.